ISO again, we're going backwards. That's right. Oh my goodness, Groundhog Day again. Mm. Guess so what we... though, I'm on school holidays for yeah. two weeks. How great. How fantastic. Beautiful, I'm gonna, honey. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to yep. stay up stay up late, drink myself drunk, slip her over in my own vomit. Oh, it's going to be awesome for two Absolutely. weeks. Absolutely. Yep. Two, that's the beauty about being a school teacher is that you get those two weeks. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, you do you do sort of have to do a bit of prep in, in there, but, like, look, the, the, the sleep-ins in the morning mean everything, I can tell you what. Absolutely. Well, you're listening to the 80s montage. This is Sammy Hardon. And I'm Jay Jovi. And today we're talking about tunes that you may not remember or you remember the tune and you think, who the fuck sang that? You might hear it on the radio like on Gold FM here in Australia or some, you know, some some sort of retro station and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that, but fucking I couldn't tell you what the what the title is, who, who sang it, when it came yeah. out. Yeah, yep, but they're still right. good tracks, aren't they? Absolutely, and a lot of them were albums I had um, where people would go, well, who the fuck were they? You know, they didn't know who they were. Yeah. So we, we just heard the Time Bandits. Yeah, we sure did. Yeah, so we opened with the Time Bandits. Time Bandits were, do, do you guys remember that one? It's called um, I'm Only Shooting Love. I'm sure some of you will. Um they did have some minor success here in Australia. Um, they were a Dutch band, and this is the great thing about the eighties. You had, um, you know, you had sort of bands from countries that you may never have been to before or may never heard of before, um, and they would have uh, hits. You know, you think of sort of Aha or. Um, you know, bands like these guys, Time Bandits and Aha and so forth. Um, and especially with New Wave, New Wave was really embracing of um, more obscure sort of acts. But um, these guys did have a little bit of success in Australia. Um, this song, I'm Only Shitting Love, came out in 1983, went to number nine in Australia. They had another hit uh, called Endless Road. Uh, Endless Road went to number five. Um, you might remember Endless Road because it had uh, it was actually shot in Australia when they were on tour. Mm. They were sort of driving around their Tarago and it had a scenery of uh, Gold Coast in the 80s and the big it's got the big pineapple in it. It's got Sydney Harbour Bridge in it. So as they're driving around, they've obviously captured a bit of footage and and it's a awesome little celebration of a band 
doing their little tour through Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had the old school Tarago, which a lot of bands used to travel in. I don't yeah. know if, if there are any members of bands listening. The old school Tarago, uh, now they use Kias and all those all those things. But, yeah, the old school Tarago, that's the cat smelling the phone. <laughs> oh. My cat's decided <laughs> to look in the phone. Jasper. Um, he can see me. He can see you. He can hear hey, you. Hey, Jazzy. It's just weird. He's just smelling the phone. Um, shit on it in a minute. Yeah, so I love this video. I love Only Shooting Love. I think it was all it was based on a catwalk where there were models on the catwalk and they were just all made up in their makeup and it kind of reminds me of Young Talent Time. I think they did a version of it. Oh, they could have of actually. Of Only Shooting Love and Danny Minogue had the big dress on and I remember Only Shooting Love being quite laid back and such a cool track. It is. It's sort of. It's a. It's a little bit loungy, isn't it? Oh, like yeah, you can clearly dance to it, but it's got a really cool sort of R and B. It's quite smooth, you know. That's right. And we used to do um, name, song, and artist at the trivia show. And I remember the day we videoed it, and we did only shooting love by the time bandits and the video guy went oh gorgeous song it was one of those <laughs> songs you didn't know anything about but yeah. you just went oh it's such a gorgeous song yeah that's right so like anybody out there listening play this play this song i'm only shooting love or even mm. um endless road and nine times out of ten i bet they cannot come up with who brought out that song who, who the yeah. band were yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually did a release of Endless Road myself with Peter did Wilson. You? Yep. Um, went really well, did really well. But I always thought that was an undercurrent sort of a single um, and Peter wanted to release it. So there is a version of Sammy Paul doing Endless Road, sorry. And um, it did really well. People in Europe love that track, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. That's but great. Good band. Good band. Now my bass player, my bass player in 10,000. Yeah. His mum used to love um, Time Bandits so much so that she was the president of their fan club here in now Australia. this is interesting. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. She lives um, all the way down in Warrnambool. <laughs> And um, and yeah, she was the president of their of their fan club and she still loves them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were. Inc- I think they were big. They were big in Australia. I don't they think were. they were. They were that small. Like for them to come out and tour Australia, there was something going on. You know. Yeah. Well, those two those two tracks uh, were in the top ten. So um, yeah, they, they they would have been popular here. And good looking blokes, you know, always helps. Mm, the lead singer had had sort of no hair and used to wear lipstick and. And uh, he was a bit of a weirdo. Mm. Now, um, I'm only shooting love went to number one in New Zealand. So they loved right. it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah no, it was, it was a great track. So let's have a listen to the next track and see if you can tell and remember this band's name. All right. Hit so we'll me, just, baby. We're just going to try. I'm just going to play it for you now.
right, there you go. What do you think oh. of that one? Hey, it's a cool track, but I've got no fucking idea. I've ah. got no idea. This band was one of my favourite bands in about 1984, 1985, and they're called Scritty Politi. <laughs> okay. And their lead singer was Green, and he was incredible. Scritty Politi were a punk band in London. They were on a record label called Rough Trade and they had some success with two singles that were punk. Green, who was the lead singer, had a nervous breakdown. He ended up in a hospital in Brighton and his parents that he hadn't seen for a while came to pick him up, took him back to Leeds where they came from and he decided to get into black music and work. He was listening to a lot of R&B music. So he, they kind of went from punk to R&B and then he hired two New York musicians and they got along really well and came up with this album in 1985 called Psychic and Cup. I think it was Cupid or Cupel and it was basically two session guys and Green and Green was a real deep thinker. He was like, you know, he wanted to know how it all worked with the music industry and it kind of sort of shook him a bit. The fact that he became huge, he didn't like it. He didn't like becoming mm-hmm. famous. Um, and they had a song called Woodbees. Woodbees is probably one of my favourite fucking tracks ever. And yeah. this is another track where you'd hear it if you were my age and go, but who was the band? Who was the band? And it was Scritti Politti. Ah. So they were incredible. But originally a punk band. Now the video is interesting. It was that time where... They were all in bed in their pyjamas playing their instruments. And I remember... Oh, I bet they were the fucking Yeah, perverts. yeah, yeah. But every band after that wanted to do the same scenario. I, w- I joined an original band in the 80s and it was like, we're going to get in our pyjamas and play the instruments. And I'm like, Scritti Politi have already done that, dude, you know. But Pray Like Aretha Franklin, Woodbees was the track. They had... It's probably one of the best videos of the 80s as well. They've got like beekeepers in the background doing the honey thing. They've got a girl on drums and the guys are all just sitting on the bed playing their instruments. And it's a great track. Yeah. A great track. Very undercurrent sort of um, band that sort of didn't really do anything live. Green was a little bit of a nervous guy. And didn't like to perform much. Okay. So I love them. I love them. I had their album and there was a, a fantastic dancer in this video called, oh, I can't remember his name. I think his name was Michael someone and he was a contemporary dancer and an amazing choreographer and he was in this video and he was so excited to be in that. It was just that arty time, a little yeah. bit arty. Mm. Cupid and Psyche, 1985. So that was uh, the the album and it, it's just brilliant. It was brilliant. Sort of uh, very R&B and did really well. Oh, nice. Very good. No, look, yeah. it's an education for me. And then, yeah. see this, um, this um, uh, I, I guess this song and this band really sort of sums up what we're trying to do with this episode because they're, they're those kind of yeah. – 
earworm songs that's like, oh, my God, yes. And it sort of takes you back because they they were really big when they came out, those songs. But, yeah, you, you kind of you, – you've forgotten in the interim who, what the name of the song was, who who the artist was and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's good to celebrate these, these like, little lost treasures, isn't it? Well – yeah, I mean, this guy was big. He was he was like he's renowned for being a legend, and I'd never forget Scritti Politti as long as I'll live. Like I loved yeah. them. It was just I was a little bit older, so I was getting into stuff in 1985 at that age of being 15, mm-hmm. um, and I loved Green. I thought Green was a cutie. Green Gartside. I thought he was just a real cute looking dude that was very effeminate and. Sang like a fucking girl. Sounded like a girl. You know, sang like, this time I go to bed. I... Like he was fully chicky and I love yeah. that. Oh, that's cool, babe. All right, let's get on to the next track then. Let, are you ready to play it? Yeah, you ready to play it? Yep. There you go. What a track, huh? Fucking hate it. Hate it? Oh, God, yeah. Ah. Absolutely. He looked like a fucking fruiterer, that guy. Yeah, he uh, he's yeah, he's not going to win any beauty competitions, but what a voice, mate. Yeah? Yeah. What I mean, a voice. I, I can't even pronounce their name. Does anyone else know their name? They might. Who are they, JB? I'll give you a little hint. It's Dynamic Hypnotics. Aussie band, weren't they? They were an Aussie band, yeah. They originated from Sydney. That's right. Um, and they were sort of they they were a very uh, musically rich song. They had uh, um, multi instrumentalists, you know, like they had a lot of horns. They had lots of sort of organs and stuff. Really nice sound. It wasn't wasn't overly cool, you know. Like it wasn't. You wouldn't have called it rock, really. Um, soul and funk, you would have called it. Um, they. They did sort of. They used to. They used to tour a lot. They used to gig a lot. Like they were a sort of um, being a being a soul and funk band. They used to play a lot of those kind of venues, and they slowly slowly grew a cult following. Their biggest hit was actually this one though, and this song is called "Soul Kind of Feeling." Do you guys remember it out there? I used to love this song yeah. when I was a kid. And it was yeah, huge right. when it came out. This yeah, was, was on their album Take You Higher, which was released in 1984. And, yeah, this was easily their biggest hit. I think it went to number five or something like that. Now, it was quite radio-friendly, this song. Uh, it sort of, you know, I don't, I don't think... I don't think a million people's favourite song would have been Dynamic Hypnotics. This is, you know, which leads us to, to where we are now, sort of bringing it up to, tonight. But it's sort of, 
They used to play it on the radio a lot and they used to play it on television a lot. It was just a really easy listen. Uh, it was written by the, the lead singer whose name is Robert Suze, S-U-S-Z. And um, it, it is featured prominently in Neighbours. They always used to play it at Lasseter's. Um, really? In the nineties, yeah. In the in Jesus. in the nineties, yeah. In the nineties, they used to play it uh, even then as like a retro track, sort of like a throwback to the eighties. Um, in neighbours, very easy on the ear, and it's also been played in Home and Away when um, uh, Tim Campbell's character. You know Tim Campbell? No. You know, you know Tim Campbell. That's with um, what's his name? That midget. Who sings the prayer? Oh yeah, his boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anthony yeah, Kalea. Yeah, yeah. Anthony yeah, Kalea. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, uh, Tim Campbell's character married, <laughs> married. What's her name? Ada Nicodemu or something? Ada. Ni- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ada Nicodemu. Yeah. Nicodemu. Yeah. Was Tim Campbell so, in Home and Away? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, I will. I will say both of them have been really entertaining during ISO. They've had some really, really funny videos come. Oh yeah, they're great. Who Tim really Campbell and, and yeah, um, both Anthony of them Kalea. have been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually oh, they enjoyed do TikToks them. and stuff, don't they? I think they do. Well, well, if you watch Carols by Candlelight, you will see Anthony Kalia on Australia's Carols by Candlelight. He was a voice contestant, wasn't he? No, he was a Australian Idol contestant Australian on Idol. second series, and typically, I mean, he was the best contestant on there. He's he's a tiny little guy. Yeah, I've I've um, been in a in a in a sort of quite a crowded lift with him, and someone stepped on him. He's little, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's tiny, and, and he, he, he tiny. went. Aah! No, he didn't do that. Um, and um, <laughs> he he was in the second series of Australian Idol, and typically, it's look. Culturally, it's something that we do here in Australia. We sort of uh, award top prizes to the encouragement award, you know what I mean? And then we'll, we will give the person who actually fucking deserved to win second prize. It happened with both um, – it happened with uh, – it happened with the first series as well. This is my opinion with, um, with Guy Sebastian and – What's his name? Old mate. Shannon Nolsey. Yeah, Shannon yeah. Noll. Fucking robbed, I reckon. Yeah. I remember robbed. watching those shows. I um this band though, I think they kind of took the piss out of each other, which was interesting because I've just looking at the video now without the volume down, and we've got Los Trios in Barcos in the video, who were two right. Sydney comedians. Kate Sobrano went out with one of them for a while, and oh. they were a funny couple of comedians, almost like tripod. But the video gives you that whole, we, we know we're kind of daggy but we're kind of having fun. And it was a bit, it was, yeah, Lost Trails in Barkers were on Red Faces, that's right. Um, they remind me a little bit of, and I think they might have been too similar to Mental as Anything. Yes, it was, it was a sort of, it was sort of popular territory, wasn't it? Um, yeah. This kind of thing where there were like lots of horns and organs and different instruments and um, even uh, even maybe uh, men at work, 
you know, similar similar kind of territory yeah. where it's yeah. not necessarily rock. It even sort of it even verges even. into being folk. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very popular at the time. That sort of mid eighties Australian music, uh, especially yeah. in Sydney. A lot of the bands coming out of Sydney. Very rich uh, tapestry in in Sydney. You could really sort of do some weird shit and um, get get attention for it. You know, as a and band. I, I actually think he was the first ethnic frontman f- that we'd sort of seen in Australia. There wasn't okay. many ethnic frontmen. And when this guy came out, I remember going, wow. Well, I mean, Greek or Italian, um, I just remember thinking, wow, is he Greek or is he Italian? It was that sort of time where we didn't see anything that wasn't blonde or a bit weird looking. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Suze, I wonder what that is, S-U-S-Z, maybe Hungarian? I don't know. Yeah, anyway, there we go. I wonder what he's doing now though. What would he be doing now? Probably. I'd fucking probably, love to know. Probably dead, like the rest of them. I don't know. Mm. Um, they look. They were very. They were very talented musicians, and they did branch off. You know, they did branch off into a lot of other bands. These guys. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about Robert though. I don't know what he did. They they did. Um, Obviously, he would have had other projects, but yeah. But um, there was one more. Now, if you've got a really good memory, you might remember this. There was one more definite TV spot where this song was used and it was in, if you've got a great memory, think back to Flying Doctors. One of the characters died in Flying Doctors. One of the, one of the guys. I forget how he died and... At the wake, back at the pub, you know how Maury Fields' character owned the pub in yeah. Flying Doctors? Yeah. Um, he was like, uh, they were having a wake, like having a having a drink after the funeral, and Maury Fields was like, no, we're going to put this song on because he, he loved it and we're going to play it and listen to it. And it was, it was um, soul kind of feeling. And uh, I, rem- I clearly remember everyone sort of dancing in celebration to this character who had passed, but it was a real tearjerker tear at the time, like everybody at home um, bawling their eyes out in, in remembrance of this really popular character. And Brian Mannix was in that show as well, wasn't he? Because He was. He uh, used to be in that show and... Bill Jackson Martin used to work on that show. My old Is that right? photographer, yeah. Bill was yeah. the photography kind of guy, and the the, the actual um, airport, I think, was at Turidan or something like that. There was, a, I think, a Turidan airport. It was shot somewhere around here. Yeah, Skyways. Was it mm. Skyways we're talking about? Sky Skyways. What was it called? The show. Flying, Flying Doctors, Doctors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Skyways yeah. was another show. Flying Doctors, I'm pretty sure, was filmed out in this area, like either Turidan um, on a really old airstrip uh, or somewhere there. Maddie will find out anyway. Yeah. But, so, yeah, they were huge. For anybody overseas, Flying Doctors was a show about um, Australian outback, so, so sort of spread out and everybody was so spread out that um, – the doctors actually used to fly out to emergencies to, to cover all the sort of wide open spaces. And it was a very, very popular series. 
It was. Um, yeah. Rebecca Gibney was in it. Remember mm-hmm. Beck Gibney was in it? And what was mm-hmm. what was her boyfriend with the blonde hair? Um, blonde oh. hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bl- um, you know, he was in Neighbours as well, wasn't he? He was in Neighbours as well. They were in a Peter, lot of things Peter together. O'Brien? Peter O'Brien, yes. Yeah. Rebecca Gibney and Peter O'Brien. They were a bit of like a more refined um, Jason and Kylie, I reckon. Yeah, they of, were. Of Australian they were. TV. Yeah. An older like version. Jason and Kylie but like serious actors, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There so the next one, we're going to play this next tune. I don't reckon anyone will know this one but we'll give it a go. Yes. This is one of my tunes and um, I really like it so we'll have a listen. Never heard that track, to be honest. It's a little bit Miami Sound Machine, isn't it? Uh-huh. And, you know, Except they it, they come from the same area, so you're right on that. Yeah. Oh, do they? There we yep, go. Yep. Um, mm. Expose was the name of the group. Right. Nah. Expose was huge in America, like Bananarama was to England. Oh, were they a girl band? Ex- three girls. Mm. Three girls, fully choreographed. Biggest hair in the world were always on solid gold. Um, that was their single called Come Go With Me. So they were very American. Casey Kasem, top 40 kind of American. Right. And they were huge. They were the biggest girls group in America in the 80s. What? And had some fantastic singles. Yep. They were what, huge. Bigger than the Bangles? Yes, without a doubt. Give us a break. Yep, Exposé. Now, there was two versions of Exposé. The first version came out and did the album and I think one of the girls was reading the manager and they had a falling out. So in the end, there was so much money being made that they fired or they got rid of the the original girls and put in three new girls. So there's a lot of controversy around them. I don't get that shit when they do things like that. What do you mean? It's like, I don't know, it just sort of undercuts the public. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it drives me nuts. Like the public is forming a relationship not just with the music and the name but with the people who are fucking performing it as well. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the typical sort of movement of a of um, a band that is completely controlled by their management and the yep. management thinks that, like, they're just showing up to see the name or, 
You know what I mean? And yeah, like, no. Well, the punters were upset because the last lineup would just disappeared, and the next minute on Solid Gold, they've got these three new girls. It's like, who the fuck are these sluts? And we had to get to know these three new girls. I didn't actually see the first lineup because we're in Australia. I didn't get to see the first lineup, but I did see the second lineup. And I really, really liked them. They all could dance, they all could move, and they had that Miami sound machine sort of sound about them as well. Right. And they were really stylish. Like they used to wear, you know, they used to wear wetsuits, outfits. Wetsuits were big in the 80s at some stage. They there were was, actually. They were like they'd make skirts and tops out of wetsuits and then go out with their wet hair and beautiful pink earrings and it looked quite stylish. Then they might go swimming afterwards. They might go. Well, we always wondered that. But um, Expose, huge, huge girl band. Loved them. They were always on solid gold and some great tracks. That's something that I haven't done for years is go skinny dipping after a gig. I used to do that all the time in the bay. Yeah, well, you could in Brizzy. <laughs> no, uh, in fucking Melbourne. Oh, really? Yeah. No, right. you do. Uh, oh, we used to do it with 10,000 all the time. So we'd like play a gig, especially during summer if it was really, really hot, especially if it was at the ESPY. And then yeah. we'd all like all of us, like all the band and all whoever we were with, run across the road and go skinny dipping in the bay in St Kilda. Wow. We'd be all off naked. our faces. Yeah, why not? Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Just like throwing starfish at each other and that, you know, ah. just, just being crazy. So um, um, let me get this straight. So Expose, they fired one of the girls and then the other two sort of backed her and they left as well or were they yeah, all fired? Yeah, look, there's a couple of stories. Basically... Um, I think one of them wanted to leave. There was too many dramas. Mm. There is one chick, there's a documentary on one chick that runs her own shows and she talks about it, but she was just boring to fucking hear. Like she was okay. being interviewed about the whole scenario and I just couldn't stand her. I was right. like, yes, all right, okay. Um, and she's still living off the name, you know. Um, but and there they, was a, were they much more popular with the new lineup? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They mm. were just huge. Wonder whatever happened to the original three. This be- became well, shoots, I just, no, no, no. They've got their own shows and oh. living off the legacy. Isn't yeah. that wonderful? Yeah, not really because they were fucking boring. <laughs> I was listening to her going, can you just shut up? <laughs> um, there's a thing called Expose Exposed on the internet and she sits there and tells you about what happened. Um, wow. But I think if you're going to shit in your own backyard, man, if you're going to stick your fucking dick in the teal, you're going to have to realise you're going to be sacked if the fucking relationship turns sour. And that's what happened. Let me get this straight. Should you not shit in your back own backyard? Yeah. Oh. She was fucking the manager and the producer. Fucking now, hell, mate. if you are doing that and things aren't going to – and she, he was he – was, um, in another limo banging fucking strippers. So she <laughs> found out and that was the end of it. Oh. She wanted out, you know. Now, didn't these guys work with um, Clavels and Cole from um, CNC Music Factory? I don't know. Where are you reading that? Oh, I just – it just came into my head. No, yeah, on, did it? it? Yeah. No, on uh, 
um, something came up online when I wrote in Expose, uh, Clavels yeah. and Cole, you know, you know, from CNC Music Factory. Yeah, I don't remember that. Mm. You sure it's ex- you sure it's not there exposed? CNC Music Factory ex- are exposed. No, they work. They work with each other. I'm just wondering if it's the same Clavels and Cole from CNC Music Factory. They were exposed because they had singers that were singing in the band that weren't seen in the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked yeah, about that's, that, didn't that's, we? Yeah, so I don't know whether Expose worked with them though. All right, never mind. Awesome. All right. Okay, next one and then we might have a little break. Have uh, You know what it is, the next one, don't you? You know this song, don't you? We'll see if people out there remember it. Do you recognise that one, guys, out there? What about you, Sammy? Do you recognise that well, one? Well, I recognise his fucking spooky eyes in his head that he fucking <laughs> stares through. Yeah. He was a big, he was a big fucking, he was a little bit cocky-eyed, this guy. <laughs> was he? And a little bit Midnight Oil. Yeah, look, they are very Midnight Oil, this band. Mm. And they actually, they actually had the same management. Um, but yeah, they, this band of course is Spy versus Spy. These days they're known as, well, if you know them at all, these days they call themselves the Spy versus Spy because they were approached by Mad Magazine and they were going to sue them if they didn't change because, um, they, they were named after the comic strip Spy versus Spy. But um, Mad Magazine got pretty angry about it, and so they they tweaked it slightly. But, now, for um, Mad Magazine to get angry about that, it means they got pretty big. You know what I mean? I think Spy vs Spy had a very big undercurrent audience that used to go and see them every week. 
Yeah, they did, but they didn't have like any huge charting hits, you know? Like they didn't have. Yeah. Well, they were yeah. indie. They were independent. Yeah. They were yeah. indie. So I think Spy versus Spy was almost like the church in a way. Like everyone knew who they were through pub rock and they were quite loved in the community. Yeah, yeah. I would have said that the church, in terms of charts, though, would have gone a little bit further than these guys. Although this song, uh, Don't Tear It Down, did go to number 12. So that's great. But um, I love this song. It's got a really awesome um, bass line. I love the bass line. And it's it's exciting, that, that intro, isn't it? The intro... <laughs> The intro is probably better than the rest of the song, to be honest, but it's a great song. It's, it's a, a long song. intro. Yeah, yeah, it is. Now, um, this song was about, Don't Tear It Down was about um, when they were developing a lot of the inner east suburbs of Sydney and they were knocking down a lot of the old buildings in around Sydney uh, to develop and, and pop sort of apartments and um, that kind of shit on them. And... There was no thought for preservation in terms of you know, these beautiful, beautiful old factories and these old buildings. They would just knock them down altogether. They wouldn't even keep the facades. Um, and at least with Melbourne, I guess they they do try to keep the facades and uh, like keep a little bit of recognition recognition to the old architecture and all that kind of thing. Um, but something that was happening was they were – when they were knocking down these old buildings, a lot of homeless people lived in there and they just had nowhere to go. Squatters. And so, yeah, squatters basically. That so was big in the 80s. A squatting. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, yeah. was it? Squatters, just like, absolutely. Just moving into spaces Bu- that were. Buildings that were available, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a you look at Boy George. Didn't... Exactly. Boy yeah. George, you had Madonna lived in a squat. All yeah. these musos would just move into buildings and it was super late 70s, 80s to do that because um, they wouldn't get caught. Yeah. Yeah. But um, squatters squatters had to – that were illegal. So that no one knew they were there. Yeah, And yeah. it had become a little bit of a thing where the people wanted to protect them and then what happened was – People just didn't want them squatting for free. They were getting stuff that, you know, wasn't theirs. But a lot of musos did do it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, these guys, Spy versus Spy, being a Sydney band, would end up supporting uh, NXS quite a bit because they had a similar, similar um, sort of pub rock sound around this time. Um, but they would uh, – Michael Hutchins actually approached them to – produce an album for them and they said no because they thought he was thought he was too commercial um yeah which i don't know i don't think i would have made that that kind of decision even though michael hutchins isn't known for being a producer as such wouldn't you want to find out i don't know wouldn't you want to wouldn't you want to just take a leap of faith considering how fucking incredible he was some musos though mm. don't want to get to a level of someone of that level, you know what I mean? Like I do there understand are some, that. 
There are some musos that just want to stay indie. Yeah. Now I don't I don't know when Michael Hutchins produced Sex Symbol. There was a song called Sex Symbol with mm. a chick with red hair. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of a name. And that did nothing. So yeah, I don't right. know whether it was before or after he did that. Was it a good song though? It was great, but it did nothing and that's all that mattered and it was super mm. commercial. So I think with something Spy versus Spy, maybe that might have been just too commercial for them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm. You know. I mean, it's just hard when you're young. What do you do? Do you go there or do you they, – they had a legacy, these guys, I think, anyway. Yeah, yeah, like people of the time definitely sort of, you know, especially people that were into the scene uh, well, rather these, than just be yeah. uh, sort of pedestrian listeners, like people who are actually would would actively go out and see bands all the time. Spy versus Spy is is um, definitely well remembered. Yeah, they were sort of like the Sunny Boys. They had that whole everyone wanted to go and see them um, and they their third album was really big. Yeah. The third album did really well. So I didn't mind Spy versus Spy but I can't remember a fucking track they did. I couldn't tell you. And this is one of those classic ideas of why we're doing this show because mm. we know the name but what the fuck are the songs, you know? See, it's similar to Nick Cave in the 80s. Like um, he had a massive, massive cult following to the level that all kinds of other – Musos wanted to be Nick Cave. They wanted to be as cool as Nick Cave. I yep. cannot think of one fucking Nick Cave song from the eighties, though. Yeah, well, I I only think of the one he did with Kylie, and that was yeah, the nineties, right. wasn't it? Yeah, that's the yeah. only one I can think of. Yeah, um, yeah, I couldn't tell you either to tell you the truth. Interesting. Yeah, I wasn't a cavey kid. It was well, a little bit dark for me. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to make myself another tequila. How about we throw to an ad break and we'll see you yep. on the other side. All right. Hey, enjoy this one, people. No other chocolate looks like flake looks. No other chocolate tastes like flake tastes. Fold a bun, fold of every day we love. Feel it crumble and melt in your mouth. No other chocolate does it to you. Like like no other chocolate. There you go. Can you remember that one? Does anybody remember flake chocolate? There is still flake chocolate in the shops, isn't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever fucking bought one though? Whoever says like, oh, my my favourite chocolate is by far flake. I love how it falls all over your shirt as you're eating it. I love it. <laughs> I remember this ad though definitely <laughs> as yeah. a kid. It's very it a- um, picnic at Hanging Rock. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's all sort of dewy and soft and... You know, you expect for somebody just go, just to go missing towards the end of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And there's the cute guy sipping his wine. She's unwrapping the flake. They don't really look at it like it's a penis, but they're kind of insinuating that as well that it's quite yeah. a sexual a sexual chocolate, sexual they, chocolate. They they they're definitely being suggestive, but 
I think they would wait till it got dark and then they would do it in missionary position once and then go to <laughs> sleep, you know, all, all nicely. It is a messy fucking chocolate though. Yeah, yeah. You it's almost a, have it's to a fucking weird open. fucking chocolate. Yeah, it's like yeah. I want a block of fucking chocolate. I don't want yeah. flakes. I don't want fucking off cuts. I like it in an ice cream, no sticking out of the ice cream at Wendy's oh, yeah. fucking ice creams. Yeah, that brings up a good point. You get a you get a fucking one of those chocolate dips. They yes. dip it in the hot chocolate, and then there's a yep. flake in the side. Yep, that was good. Aye. Didn't mind that dropped all over the floor in the supermarket, but you still went there. That's right. Yeah. When remember Wendy's? Are Wendy's still around? Wendy's fucking donuts or ice creams? They yeah, used to be only, everywhere. They only had um, Wendy's are huge in the US still, but they don't have them in Australia anymore. Oh, oh the when, different Wendy's, company. Yeah, Wendy's a burger joint. Oh. Not to be confused with the burgers. I think there's a Wendy's in Cranbourne. If what, I'm do they only do like ice creams and milkshakes and shit in Australia? They do ice creams, hot dogs. Yeah. Different right. different logo and everything. Right. So America's hamburgers with I think it's got a girl's face on it. America's one has a girl with pigtails from memory. Yeah, right. And redhead with pigtails and oh, the Wendy's I wouldn't go is there. a pink pink and white. Yeah, that's right. A pink and white sort of logo. Uh, all right. Oh, but nice. a very a very memorable ji- uh, jingle though. Yeah, yeah. This old ad. It is a very. I, I used to sing it as a kid. And I used to love it as a kid. But like, sort of, as an adult, it's all a bit too benign for me. Like, it's a bit too nice. I want to run in there and fucking you know give someone a seagull. You know. Yeah, I reckon they were appealing to the older audience. The like flake. it's a not like for it's kids. A, it's a zhuzhi chocolate kind of thing. Like oh yeah, almost like you know that fucking expensive chocolate you buy that tastes like shit. It's in a white box and they're fucking shells and little bits of fucking crumb chocolate on top of each other. Peanut brittle, that kind of shit. Oh, yeah, goo young. And- yeah, whatever they call that. Um, and it's like, yeah, yeah, they're like marbles. They're, they're, mar- yeah, they're like yeah. white and yeah. I don't like yeah. them. Ugh. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible no. chocolates. Whenever you got those for Christmas, I went, fuck that shit. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. All so right, we're let's on to keep our going. next one. All right, so we'll play this track. Another Aussie band. Uh-huh. We'll give it a go. See if you remember these guys. Righto. She knew how much she meant 
Who remembers that song? Who no, remembers the band? <laughs> you don't remember? Really? No, I don't Fuck. remember it. Oh, Jesus. This is like um, worthy of playing in Rewind 80s. Really? So, yeah. What year did oh, it come out? 1984. Mm-hmm. Went to number 15. Dear Enemy, they were called. And what's the name of the track? Computer One. Computer mm. One. And yeah. they were nah. fucking brilliant. Now, I actually went to singing lessons with this guy. He was, uh, I used to go to William Bates Academy of Acting in the city. Mm-hmm. And he rolled up, Ron Martini is the name of the guy that sings. And he rolled up as to learn how to sing. Yep. And I shit my dacks because I loved Computer One and Ron Martini came up the staircase and was doing singing lessons with me and I was just like staring at him going, fuck, that's Ron Martini. He yeah. had quite a husky voice, quite a great range, um, but was having – he kind of sang in his throat a little bit. That was the only thing. Yep. And it started to wear his throat a bit so he did – need to come to lessons. I don't think he came to my guy f- for that long because it was a group lesson and everyone knows you can't learn shit in a group lesson because you can't hear each other. Yeah. Um, but Computer One was one of those hits that was fucking awesome. They were like my sex a little bit um, but they only had the one song. Right, okay. Yeah, and nah, look, uh, yeah. No, no kind of recollection. Yeah. Well, my mate Jerry Lee, who is in, or well, he's the brother of Vincent James Lee of Pseudo Echo, was on guitar. Mm hmm. Uh, and he played guitar in the end of Dear Enemy. Because I remember going to see the boys in Pseudo and Jerry was off playing guitar on Countdown with Dear Enemy. Because they were on, they were on Countdown. Mm hmm. Um, an amazing fucking song, but never really did anything besides that. Yeah, right. Um, not much at all. Nothing really. I mean, they, they were in the Street Hero soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a big 80s movie with Vince Colosimo, I think, from memory. What was it called? Vin- Street Hero. Hmm, okay. I think it was Vince Colosimo. Right. Um, and he was a drummer in the movie. I remember this. Yeah, very yeah. young. Yeah, I think he was a drummer. I think Vince it might have Colosimo. been his first film out of I drama school. I think it school. was. Yeah. I think it was. And I think Sigrid Thornton was in it as well. Right. But it's just one of those movies. So they, they had, I think they had another track in that movie, um, mm. but it was never really as big as Computer One. But it's one of those tracks where you go, who the fuck sang that? Yeah. They were the first Australian band signed to an overseas label. Was it Jesus. WEA? EMI Capital. Well, there you go. The video was quite expensive too. They didn't fuck around with the video. Mm. A lot of money was spent um, and a lot of fantastic musos in the band and very and very keyboard orientated so it was really different. Yeah, right. It was really interesting to hear because in those days – we didn't have many keyboard sort of orientated bands. Yeah. That were using sequencers and, and, and that kind of stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? 
Mm. Joey Amenta was in this band. Joey Amenta was always was also in Wendy and the Rockets. Joey Amenta said the best thing to me when I was a little girl, I was about 18, and he said to me, Sammy, if you don't want to age, just sleep all fucking day and rock out oh. at night. And I oh. never forgot it. We actually <laughs> should get we actually should get Joey Amenta on the show. He's <laughs> such a fucking legend. That's hilarious. Just sleep yeah. all day and work yeah. at night. He used to sleep about 12 hours a day, Joey Amenta, and he still looks great now. Oh, my God, truly? Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, But he was also in Wendy and the Rockets. So we could get him on the show because Joey's been around for a long time. Mm. But, yeah, so let's hear the next track, shall we? All right. I love this one. Let's just play it. love that song. I really love it. I bet you can't name the band out there, guys. The song, of course, is Ship of Fools. It's got a really awesome chorus. I love it. It has. The, whole the thing's chorus all, is great. The whole thing's awesome. I love his voice. It's so sexy and soulful and everything. I love it. Now, the band is World Party. The song uh, Ship of Fools by World Party. World Party was based, it was essentially a solo project of uh, the singer, Carl Wallinger. He, he used to play with the Water Boys and mm. um, he basically had such an awful time with the Water Boys um, that, you know, he had a fucking horrible time to the, the, the point that he, he almost wanted to give up music. Did uh, he sing he, in the Water Boys? Because they did Hole in, Hole in the Moon or something. You got the hole of the moon or something like that. He looks familiar now you mentioned that. I don't know if he sang that song. Um, but Because that he, was really the only Waterboys track. Yeah. I don't know if he was the... I don't know if he was the lead soloist from them. I don't, I don't think so. But anyway, he, yeah. he, um, he left them... Um, almost gave up music but decided to sort of do, do a solo project which eventually became Will Party. Will Party are, are a um, trio. Um, 
and this was one of his first. This song was one of his first releases, and Ship of Fools was about Water Boys, like sailing with ah, a ship of fools. That, that was about yes. his experience with Water Boys, and ah, um, oh, it's just such a beautiful track. It's just such a beautiful way of turning a shit experience into turning it into something of beauty you know and that's what that's what i love about musos and artists is they they take their bad experiences and they make them beautiful you know um this song did uh went to number four in australia so it was quite big here went to 27 in the u.s which isn't too bad um kurt wellinger would go on to work with sinead o'connor on her first album, uh, Lion and the Cobra or whatever it's called. Was it Lion and the yeah. Cobra or something? Yeah. I think so, And yeah. they they got along quite well. She He um, he worked with her again on a subsequent album, which is strange for Sinead because she's got quite a volatile personality um, and for her to, I guess, have long-term working relationships with people was quite rare. Poor Sinead, she... she um, She's uh, in a little bit of trouble. She's she's deteriorating in her life, but she's pissed so many people off that nobody wants to wants anything to do with her, and she's completely broke. Um, and it's yeah, very sad what's happened to her. But there you go. Um, you can't burn your bridges, people. Anyway, so so um, uh, look, Kurt Kurt Wallinger's story is a little bit tragic as well, but it's a bit of a comeback story, so bear with me. He started sort of getting some grounds with World Party um, and they got up to the point where they started working with Robbie Williams on on a recording and Kurt then suffered an aneurysm, a massive aneurysm, and it left him, he wasn't able to speak anymore and therefore sing. Mm. Shit. And and you know that that is just so fucking cruel. Like he's come out of this band where and he's sort of overcome overcome that feeling of wanting to give up music um, to release his own stuff. And the moment he starts to have some some traction, he he is struck down. He can't fucking sing anymore. <laughs> that is just awful. But look, he he did. I think he had to learn how to walk again as well. But um, he look, he did overcome it and uh, it took him about five years of rehab and he did come back onto the scene um, and he ended up playing South by Southwest, you know, in, in Texas, that massive festival. Yep. Um, in I think 2006. So it, it did take him a fair few years to get back on top. Um, and they've they have done little tours and stuff like that since and and you know he's still he's still making music but yeah that song i absolutely love it it's one of my little personal favorite ship of fools by will party i love the fact that musicians love this band yeah um i'm pretty sure they played the continental in the 80s in mm. Greville Street and came out and did a gig based off this one single. It was a time where everyone could come out if the record companies would pay for it and I'm pretty yeah. sure the Waterboys came out and that was the song everyone loved obviously. In fact, I'm pretty sure I fucking went from memory. I'm pretty okay. sure I got into the Continental 
Because I remember right. Desiree being there and all these people and um, the Continental was quite an exclusive venue in Greville Street, which is where the boutique is now. Ah, yes. So the boutique, the stage was just, they had all t- chairs and tables and I'm pretty sure World Party came out and did that. Oh, wow. And every, and every muse I was like, oh, my God, they're an incredible band. So they were mm. quite credible. That's great. I'm now going to play the next song. Go for it, babes. Let's see if you remember this one, this little ditty. Who remembers that? What a track, mate. Very Calypso. What a track. Now, you would be it. forgiven. It's it's not Miami Sound Machine, is it? No. No. These were brothers and sisters. Yeah. Brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, one sister and I think it was four brothers. They kind of looked and sounded a bit like the Jacksons. And you could only tell the brothers because they had moustaches. They, they were all quite. They they looked they were looked identical, you know, except for the yeah, bloody moustaches. Yep. And uh, Al Debarge, I think his name is the lead singer. Yeah. In memory married Janet Jackson. Fuck, is that, that was right? Janet, yeah, Janet Jackson's first husband. She was married to him very young. But, Which but for just like freak. two seconds, yeah? They, they're only no, married for no, a moment. No, no, they were married for a little while. Would have been two years or something. Because she, I, I, I heard that she she kind of jumped into marriage to get her away from her father. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but she kind of thought she loved him at the same time. Oh, uh, yeah. And then I think they were together for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. In the 80s, that was a long time for superstars if it was a couple of years. Yeah, gotcha. Um, I know that she was married to him when this came out because, Is that you right? know, she, yeah, I think she was like a huge fan. But just a bit close to my brothers, I think, to look, you know, like they were very, I mean, the video is fantastic. We see contemporary dancing, bright colours, very all night long, Lionel Richie. Mm. Um, wasn't my cup of tea, didn't love it, but it's one of those songs where you go, is it the Miami Sound Machine? Is it this band? And it's called DeBarge. Fantastic, DeBarge. And it's one of those tracks that would be played. Remember when we used to do the spot, they'd play this. <laughs> and the beat of the rhythm of the... And all, all the wogs would love it because it yeah. was like, you know, happy-go-lucky. Um, your, your typical street dancing with cars. So it was... Quite a good video, but I preferred Miami Sound Machine, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. Very upbeat, this song, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. Huge in America. These guys were huge in America. Yeah, yeah. And I think he went solo, Aldebarge. I think he did a solo project. He got over it. He was kind of like the Michael Jackson of all of them. Ah, uh, yeah. And he went a little bit solo. Yeah, right. But I found him a little bit boring. See, funny, because I always thought this was Gloria Estefan, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't sound like a dude. It sounds like a chick. Exactly. Hey. Absolutely. Mm. Still, if you like the song, you like the song. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. It's a cool cool little track. Good good kind of upbeat, feel-good track that you can dance to. Fantastic. So let's play our next one and see if the punters know it. Ah, oh, fuck yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the time of your life? It's time to stand up and fight. It's alright, it's alright. And in hand we'll take a caravan to the motherland. One by one we're gonna stand up with pride. One that can't be denied. Stand up, stand up. From the highest mountain valley low, we'll join together with hearts of gold. The children of the world can see. This a better place. There you go. There you go. That's as much as we can stand to play of that one. Um, what made look, you choose this one? Because it ha- just has a really there, there's some interesting trivia attached to this one. But also, um, the year that this came out, this is actually a cover. So the original band was called Isley, Jasper Isley or something, and they were like a kind of very churchy, you know, gospel-y uh, band. Um, these guys, these guys covered it. The band, of course, is the House Martins. Not of course, I bet you didn't know. I bet you didn't know who sang it. Um, and I bet, um, I bet it took you a little while to even identify the song. The song is called Caravan of Love. It was, this version was released in December 86 and it went to number one in the UK when they released it. Um, so it, this, the House Martins were four dudes from Hull in England, in the UK. Fuck, they're ugly. You should see these dudes. Holy well, shit. It's just, I mean, I remember the House Martins and this track and... I think a lot of people will that listen to this show. They'll go, oh, it's the House Martins. They were kind of a cult thing for about five minutes. Were they? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, this song was in a movie. It was in a million movies. Was it? And that's what made it so, oh, yeah, made it so big. Mm. Um, they look like dudes from fucking Romper Stomper. Yeah, they look awful. They look like, it, they actually look like um, um, train spotting. Train spotting, yeah, same thing. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, absolutely. Um, they, 
would split up only a couple of years later. They 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 split up in 1988. I I have very clear memories of this song because I had to catch a bus from Brisbane to Cairns, which if anybody knows Australian sort of geography, that's a long trip. That's a big yes. long drive through the night, you know, bus driver driving through the night and having multiple bus drivers changing and everything. That's a that's a long trip. And all night they played the same radio station and all, you know, it must have been when, it, it must have been 86. It must have been 86 when it, when it was released. This song would have come on 10 times at least in that trip. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's um you know a cappella their their version, so there's no like drum beat, there's no like guitars, you know, and you just had to sit through this fucking the the three or four minutes of this track, especially after you've listened to it for the tenth time, really makes its mark, you know, it really has Didn't an impact. Didn't fire up in the end. Uh, not for me. Anyway. No, right. Yeah. But I'll, look, I'll tell you, the um, when they broke up in 1988, um, a couple of members went on to form another band called The Beautiful South. But the bass player, his name's Norman Cook. The, does that yeah. ring a bell, Sammy? Yep, he did. Norman um, Cook. Dub Be Good To Me. That's right. Dub Be Good To he, Me. Yeah, yeah, he formed yeah. Beats International. Beats International, be yeah. I knew the me. name. I yeah. knew the name. And Friends. I was actually going to put SOS Band on this list because ah. I love SOS Band and they did the original uh, Just Be Good To Me. Yeah. Uh, but I went with the Barge instead. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Beats International, they they were awesome as well. Um now, Norman, they were they were actually formed by Norman Cook. Norman Cook's yes. got another uh, name. He's got another name, Sammy. Can you think of it? Do you know Norman Cook? No, not really. Norman I Cook is I just better known. That. He is better known as Fat Boy Slim. Right. So he would he would uh, after after these guys disbanded after Beats International disbanded, he would go on to basically become one of the biggest DJs in the world. Yeah, and right. And have heaps absolutely. and heaps of hits. Good old Norman. There Cook. you go. So you know you you may not for any any musos out there who are listening, you may not have your hugest success straight away. Keep going. Don't give up. Keep you know. Keep forming duos and trios and bands and and keep exploring. Keep writing music because your your hugest success may come a little bit down the track for you. It mightn't happen straight away. Yeah, and I think those years were really important because we were going into the nineties where DJs were becoming so prominent. Yeah, and and I could see him. Working in, especially with Dub Be Good to Me, working in those circles where Electronic. he would get involved with something, yeah, like that. Mm. Um, these guys remind me a little bit of um, the specials, and they remind me a little bit of um, our house in the middle of the street. That was sort of that same genre, madness, but fucking shit. But <laughs> um, they they were that kind of genre that. Fucking working class, pommy look, singing yeah. about fucking shit, you know? Yes, that's right. But definitely remember that song. Yeah, yeah. 
Ah, cool. Love it. Yeah, I um, yeah, very as I say, very clear memories of that one. It was yeah, this- they they played um. They played that and also <laughs> that night, I remember very clearly, Fraction Too Much Friction, which came out in 83 um, and it was released by Tim Finn, remember? There's yep. a fraction too much friction. Jesus. First solo song. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. He had dogs in the street with squiggles on the video. Yes. And he was trying to be funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And animated dogs running along, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim Finn and Neil Finn had a studio in Caulfield. I'm trying to Did remember they? the name of the studio. Yeah, yeah. Crowded House recorded in there. Wow. And I used to go there and record music there as well. I went there with another original band and um, they had a beautiful studio in Caulfield with red velvet curtains, almost like a Crowded House sort yep. of scenario because yep. Crowded House used to have parties where they would – do the parties up like their videos and you actually had to ring the bell and then look into a screen and this is when people really didn't have screens to ID yourself and then go into the party. They had some crazy parties. Fuck, really? You don't think of Crowded House like that, do you? Well, they were split ends so they were a bit crazy. Oh, split ends. Okay, cool, cool. Well, no, it was Crowded House at the time. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, cra- split ends are crowded house. Uh, yes Same and band. no. I always think of split ends as being a solidly New Zealand band, whereas crowded house are very much a Melbourne band. Even though, even though it's the Finns, um, who yeah. are from NZ, um, crowded house was formed here, weren't they? Oh yeah, but I mean, I think the drummer was New Zealand. Paul Hester. I- Paul Hester, wasn't he from New Zealand? No, he's Aussie. No, Paul Hester's not the drummer. Yeah, he's born in Melbourne. Who was the bass player? Oh, um, he's the, the bass player's, yeah, Nick Seymour. Nick yeah. Seymour, yeah. Mark Seymour's brother. Yeah, yeah. I, I see anything the Finns do as New Zealand. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, and but that that's like saying ACDC are a Scottish band. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's funny it's like because I, I always, um, even though, and, and I mean even um, New Zealand tourism actually used Don't Dream It's Over for their campaign for years. And I always yeah. used to think like, come on, that's a fucking, that's a Melbourne song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no. I get it. I, think, I, get it. I, I think New Zealand would have used it because they were New Zealand boys. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't – I've never seen the Finns as, as um, anything but New Zealand. It's the same with Dragon. They're fucking New Zealand and, and, and Australia love to claim these people, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially on Countdown and, and stuff like that. We, we all love to think that Split Ends was, uh, was a, you know, a Melbourne band or, or like an Australian band or Jenny Morris was Australian. Um, but, yeah, well, Crowded House was kind of a Melbourne band but I see them as New Zealand. Really? Yeah. Uh, they had a New Zealand new, uh, lead singer but everybody else was Australian and they were formed in Mel- Melbourne. Yeah. Well, Timmy was in that as well though, wasn't he, for a little while? O- only after the fact. Only oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Fraction Too Much Friction um, I think was filmed in Caulfield on fucking Glenferry Road. There you go. I remember him walking down there and I just know they had 
a, a big studio down there, but um, Crowded House used to have some fucking great parties. Apparently, I never went to any of them, <laughs> but I've heard about them. Yeah, awesome. So the next track we're going to do—that's our is last one of track mine. for the night. It is, dude. I'm going to play it for you right now and see if you can guess the song and artist. There you go. Have you heard that one? Yeah, I've heard that one. I remember that one. Great track. Robbie Neville was the guy. Yeah. And the song's called Say La Vie and I used to love this dude. It's a very, very camp vocal, isn't it? Very sort of puffy. Well, a lot of the ones I've picked have very camp vocals. Even Green Green from uh, Scritti Politia's. Camp as anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, Say La Vie was a huge track for him and Domino's I think was the other track. It was just that fantastic dance track. Um, I think there was a girl on drums in the video as well. Yeah, right. I kind of dug a girl on drums. I used to love when I saw a girl on drums and and, uh, used to think it was cool. And and, and and this is where you used to start to see – the video models started to be in a couple of different uh, video clips. Yeah. So you might see the dark-headed one in, in Say La Vie and then she'd end up in some other video. Um, and they weren't necessarily models but they were just hired as background extras, you know, and we yeah. just got to know them. So this was sort of later 80s, wasn't it, Say La Vie? Probably 87, 88. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was. It was big at the dance studio that I went to. Yes. Um, and it was also played in the clubs a long before it was actually sort of out in the charts. Yeah, It was yeah. something you heard if you went out clubbing, you know, the DJs all had it. But I, I love Robbie Neville and I think uh, the BVs, especially in this track, I loved the women that sang the BVs in this, so I <laughs> yeah, really loved yeah. it. Yeah, I loved it. It was like, <laughs> fuck, this is great. But yeah. he didn't really have many singles. But I think he was a big session muso anyway. I can't remember, but um, he was incredible. And it's one of those songs where you might hear it and you go, who sang this? No he, one remembers Robbie Neville. He was a writer. He used to write for a lot of other artists, I believe. He's like a Michael Bolton thing? Uh, yeah, like he'd write for I think he I think he wrote for Alison Moyet. Um, he he worked with her. Who else did he work with? Yeah, he used to he used to write for a lot of other people. But I remember also in the nineties he had um, a couple of tracks. He had uh, just like you. Remember, I wanna be just like you. I wanna be no, just. No, I don't. And then he had another track called him. I'll Be There For You, which was like a um, like a ballad 
with a chick called Seika or Seiko or some shit. She, um, an, an Asian chick. Um, yeah, I remember that. So he, he did, you know, he did sort of hold on. He had sort of hits throughout the, the 90s as well. But, um, yeah. I don't remember him doing I Want to Be Just Like You. Yeah, I remember that. That charted here. you remember here. that track? Yeah, that charted here. That did all right here. Right. And it Funny was definitely one. Robbie Neville. Yeah. Went to number three in Australia. Wow. Yeah. I want to be just like Yeah, you. I wasn't a fan of that one actually. Yeah, right. That's probably why I don't know that he did it. But um, mm. I was more into his 80s stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, I loved I loved his voice. I loved all that sugar, sugary pop stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um has a has a similar vocal to uh hang on, I'm gonna forget now. They're an Aussie band. We've talked about them before. Un- unfortunately the singer passed away not long ago, Sammy. And they were a very sexy Aussie band. Um Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you always bring up this band. Um uh, you mean um, Wawani? Yeah, Wawani. Yeah, he's a Gray. similar sort of vocal, that kind of um, throaty, throaty sort of uh, sexy male vocal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, very different, though. I reckon to Wawani. Well, I mean, Paul Gray was very Prince. He tried yeah, to yeah, put yeah, on yeah. the Prince kind of shaka laka, that kind of you know that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um. I I reckon, yeah, similar, similar. Mm. Uh, but Paul Gray, what a great artist he was, you know. Yeah. Like, incredible. Yeah. And the only Aussie act to sort of do Solid Gold, to get on and do Solid Gold. Yeah. Um, a couple of other Aussie artists did, but I remember being very excited seeing them on Solid Gold, which mm. is pretty much where a lot of these songs I've picked today have come from. Right. Um, you know, the Solid Gold Dancers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, brilliant. You see a lot of these. But, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. That's uh, ten little little ones that you might have forgotten. You know, they may not necessarily have charted massively. Some of them have. But, you know, they're, they're sort of, sort of for, forgotten little um, little points from the 80s that uh, – have a have had a little impact on us, definitely. Some cool oh, bands huge, in there. Some of them, some of them, huge impact on me. Yeah, like just Squiddy Paletti was my fucking go-to band. Expose, just being a singer and watching those three chicks dance and sing. Like anyone that could dance and sing and do both together, I loved. Mm. But if you just stood there and sang, I wasn't into you. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and then, dear enemy. So keyboard orientated, um, and Robin Robbie Neville loved it. All lot, you know, great sort of tracks that some people would forget. Yeah, but others yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, brilliant. All right, good on you guys. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. There, this is the eighties montage, of course. Please, if you enjoy the show, if you're a, if you're a long time listener, we're up and um, 
We've got a few episodes behind us now, Sammy, aren't we? Yeah, we're nearly on to 12 months. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Oh, we'll have to have a massive party. Yeah, we'll We'll have to have a massive party with fucking five people there because of restrictions. (laughs) (laughs) COVID, the COVID party. That's right. Powering on through COVID, sticking it Um, up to COVID. I think it's July we turn one. Is that right? July. Middle of July, Maddie. We'll have to have a look, won't we? 19th of July. We've already looked into that. So we'll have to do something special. We'll have to have Agro or Aussie Ostrich on or somebody. Ah, yes. (laughs) We could find a character like that. Guys, if you love the show, get the word out there. Tell as many people as you can or just tell one person. That's, you know, just as effective. Please like, share, review and subscribe. Uh, review us on iTunes, guys. Give us five stars. Don't worry about the other stars. Five. What's it going to cost you? Um, hope you enjoy the show. Um, we have a lot of dedicated followers. You can follow us on social media on uh, Instagram or Facebook, of course, and the show is on Podomatic, iTunes and Spotify and a few others as well, Sammy. Well, if you just go www.the80smontage.com, it's all there for you. That's right. It's easy, as easy as that, the80smontage.com. You can get the new shows, you can subscribe, all that bizzo. We need some more people to follow us. I don't get many followers on iTunes. I'd like to see some more people jump on board. And also, someone did write to me. They've asked for a Banana Rama show. Sammy Neal has put in an order for a Banana Rama show. Oh, it was Samantha Neal. Yeah, Sammy Neal, who's one of our Patreon. And she likes the idea of that. So that could be an option. So if you do want a show, write into us. Let us let us know, you know, yeah. put it on the, on the thing. Now, also on another thing, we had Depeche Mode versus The Cure. Who won? Depeche Mode won. Hey! Yay! So we'll be doing a show on Depeche Mode, bitches. Oh, I was going to win either way with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Depeche, I thought it was getting close there, oh. but um, Depeche Mode have definitely won. So we'll be looking, reach out and touch faith. Yay! I'm really happy about that. All right, good on you guys. This is the 80s montage. What? And don't forget to Patreon. That's on the website as well. Oh, fuck yeah. Come on board as a patron. All kinds of subscriptions there. Check it out, patreon.com. Good on you. Thank you, guys. If it's music, mateys, or or cool cool shit from from the the 80s, 80s. we're going to talk about it. Unreal. Unreal. Unreal.